0: Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 85 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Jason here, and holy cow, I am, I am just blown away by today's guest. So let me start by welcoming all the Megheads and Lock Squad fans out there. Like myself, I am one of you. Greetings and welcome to the show. We are going to have the incredible Steve Alton as our guest today. I mean, here we are, episode 85. We're just 15 episodes away from 100. And I have Steve Alton on the show. I mean, pinch me. <laughs> this, this is one of my bucket list authors that when I began the show, I actually made a list of authors and uh, Steve's name was right there at the top. Of, uh, of authors who I'm like, oh yeah, I would love to talk to this guy. Never expected this to happen. So to be sitting here telling you that yes, he's going to be coming up in just a minute, I, I'm just blown away and extremely humbled that Steve would take the time. I mean, oh my gosh, <laughs> what can I say? I just keep thinking about when the Skype camera turned on. You know, I didn't I didn't expect him to have the uh, the camera on, but now yeah, his camera comes on and there's Steve Alton wearing a Meg shirt and everything I mean <laughs> how, how awesome is that right oh man anyway but yeah I you know we're gonna get to all that here in just a moment so stay tuned for our interview with Steve Alton so yes uh, I said megaheads heads and lock squad fans all of you who might be tuning in for the first time welcome this is the sample chapter podcast the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books And, you know, you don't have to be an international New York Times bestselling author to be a guest on the show. (laughs) Essentially, if you've written a book and it's been published, whether you are traditionally published or indie published, you are now in the club and you are welcome to contact me about coming on the show. Because you never know from week to week if I'm going to have a first-time author putting out a book of poetry. We've had some incredible poets lately. Uh, you know, some incredible horror authors here a while back, some sci-fi, you just never know who's going to be on the show from week in to week out. And, I, you know, anymore, I really don't even talk about that they are indie or traditional because we're all in the same boat. Once you've written a book and that book is published, we're all in the same boat. You know, it's now up to us most of the time to figure out, okay, how do I let people know? How do I let people beyond my inner circle of friends and family? How do I tell The people in the next town over or the next state over or on the other side of the world that, hey, I wrote a book. I think you're going to like it. That's what I'm trying to do with this show is provide a platform for authors, new and experienced alike, to share their work with people all over the world. And, you know, I I think it's uh, so far it's turning out pretty good. We're having a good turnout. We've had incredible authors all throughout. Not a bad episode yet. So we're just going to keep on pushing And if you are a published author and you're interested in coming on the show, or maybe you have a recommendation of a friend who's a published author, reach out to me at SampleChapterPodcast at gmail.com, and uh, we'll, we'll try and set something up. Make sure that you follow the show on all of our social media platforms. We are on Facebook and Twitter. We're also on all podcast platforms as well, including YouTube which is catching on pretty fast. There's several subscribers on there now. It's only been up for a couple months. So that's exciting to see all the views uh, popping up on YouTube. And make sure that you are hitting that subscribe button. Leave us a review if you like. Uh, but mainly, if you come to an episode that you like, you know, which means you found an author and a book that you're interested in, make sure you leave a review for that author once you've finished reading it. Because, again, whether this is your first book or your 18th book, we all love reviews, so make sure you post a review on Goodreads, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever it is you got your book, make sure you post a review to tell the world what you think of the book. Make sure you're also checking out the links in the show notes for our friends of the show and sponsors like you Store All. YouStoreAll. All is the premier place for self-storage in the Warrensburg area. Fall is almost here. I mean, football just started, so you know fall is, is, is upon us which means winter is going to be here before you know it. Maybe you want to make sure you have room in the garage for the car so that you don't have to shovel off a bunch of snow <laughs> before you go to work in the morning. Maybe you've got family coming for the holidays and you need to clean out that extra bedroom to make some room. Contact U-Store All for any and all of your self-storage needs. They have climate control and non-climate control, fully fenced-in facilities, Gated access with more than 60 cameras recording 24 hours a day. Not only is it a very clean facility, as a bunch of the reviews say, and people I've talked to, in fact, but it's also a green facility, as both of their facilities are run on solar power. So make sure you're checking them out online at ustoreall.net. That is the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L dot net. I also want to thank my favorite writing software, Scrivener. I use Scrivener every day whether I have just a a spare five minutes at work for my lunch break or uh, whatever and all I can think about is you know I've got this one idea I know how I'm gonna fix this now in my story I can pull up Scrivener on my phone get right into my work in progress and update it you know start working it out right on there most mornings that's my writing time I go in there and and open up my laptop and start doing some writing and then in the evenings Here at my desktop computer where I do all the editing. It's all done on Scrivener because everything I need is right there. All my chapters, I can move them around like index cards if one chapter needs to move somewhere else. All my research, my character references, everything is right there. (laughs) Like they said, within reach. In just a minute you're going to hear an advertisement for Scrivener. And don't forget to try out that coupon code CHAPTER to save yourself 20% on your desktop order. I also want to thank my friends at popgoesaculture.com. Joey Mills and the gang back on the air with Pop Goes a Culture podcast. That's the flagship show of the network, uh, a network which I am very happy to be a part of. They have uh, that show and many others. Uh, another one of my favorites is the Alamo Backlot, which they get together every week with people from the Alamo Draft House and they talk about movie news and movie events and new movies that are coming out, what happened last week at the movie theaters. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoy that because I'm a big movie fan myself, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun to listen to. And, you know, and I found out just recently that was really cool was that the events that they talk about at Alamo, they're talking about Alamo Springfield, but the events that they talk about are often throughout all of alamo i just noticed here recently there was an event that they were talking about and i looked at uh, my local one up here near kansas city and oh, be darned yeah they have the same event so make sure that when you're tuning in and you hear about something that's fun coming up check online for your local alamo and see if they're also doing that same event because it very well could be anyway check out that and much more lots of pop culture blogs and other amazing shows at popgoesaculture.com click the link in the show notes well, speaking of my sponsor, uh, all we were together at the Get the Red Out event last week here for UCM, University of Central Missouri. It was a great event. Lots and lots of fun. Thousands of people walking around. Um, I had, <laughs> it was really interesting. I had my booth. Imagine seeing a table. That's my booth right in the middle. To one side was the writing club that I'm a part of. So I got to talk to people about the Writing club and hey come and join us you know we meet twice a month uh, we talk about our books we only get experience or we get critique and, and so on and we had a sample of all of our published authors that are in the group and then on my other side was youtoral the manager Mike was there and he was handing out chip clips and pens and uh, you know don't tell Mike but yeah I grabbed I grabbed a bunch of uh, chip clips and pens. so I've got I'm actually making my notes right now using a usedtoral pen. anyway but it was a lot of fun we had a good time and what was really cool was there was a booth right across the street from me arcade magazine and this is such a cool thing it's uh, arcade magazine is the university of central missouri's student literary journal they publish poetry short fiction creative nonfiction, and visual arts submitted by ucms undergraduate students how cool is that i you know i wanted to make sure and give them a shout out because if you are someone who is celebrating other, you know, authors, artists, lift them up, giving them an outlet to share their work with the world, then I'm going to give you a shout out. It's really cool. Make sure you check them out. I've got links in the show notes for them and uh, it was really, really cool. Very happy to get to talk to them and I look forward to, uh, I don't know, I, I'm not a UCM student, but maybe I'll try and sneak into one of their meetings at their uh, writing, creative writing club sometime. Don't tell them I'm coming. I'll put on my uh, UCM clothes and try and blend in. I might have to shave, though. Anyway, speaking of people who like to sh- share and help others, my guest today, Steve Alton, we get to talk about all kinds of things, including his incredible Adopt an Author program. It tells us a little bit about that. It's not just helping authors, but it's helping classrooms and helping students want to read again. Which is, I mean, how awesome is that, right? I mean, that, that's, that's a really cool thing. It's important to read. And so many students, yeah, they want to play a game. They want to watch a movie. They want to do other things. So this is a very encouraging program that Steve put together. And the, it's just awesome. We also talk about his influences. How he began with the Meg series. You know, what inspired him to write that. Uh, he gives some writing tips. And he also has more writing tips available on his website. And speaking of the website, that is your exclusive place to get all of his new release books. All of his future releases are going through Steve himself personally on his website at stevealton.com. That's where you can pre-order things like today's book, The Lock, Heaven's Lake. And what I think is really cool about this is he's, he's kind of become like a... Almost like an independent author himself. Because rather than going through a huge publisher and they're putting out the book and they're doing all the things that they want to do and doing it their way, Steve is in total control. And I I completely respect this. And he's got a special limited edition hardcover for the book, uh, like this new one, The Lock Heaven's like. You can pre-order that one, and then as soon as it's ready, he'll send it out to you. So that's that's a really cool thing. I made sure last year to go through his website, because uh, I'm also a member of his newsletter, which, get on over to stevealton.com and sign up for the newsletter. It's going to pop up as soon as you go. Trust me. It's a really cool newsletter, one of the coolest newsletters that I look into every month. I make sure and read all the way through, and that's where he has his deals. And that is such a cool thing. Last year, I made sure to go in and get the collector's edition of The Lock, uh, book one of this series. Let's see here. I've got... I actually got right here with me. I have... All right, here you go. For example, like I said, limited edition, okay? My book is number 691 out of 750 copies. And it's autographed. So, there you go. I mean, you know... Now you know there's only going to be a limited edition edition of uh, these first run books of the lock heavens like so you want know, to make sure you get over there right now and pre-order yours i've got mine <laughs> i made sure to leave him a note because there's a section on there where you can leave a note for steve's kind of special comments or anything like that the one thing i am upset about was i did miss out though he had a really cool thing i i'm a huge fan of his meg series you know that's what i fell in love with back 20 years ago when it first came out and he had a big thing going on recently special collector's edition of the original Meg book Meg Tooth Fragment all this kind of stuff and I missed my chance oh my gosh I waited too long uh, that doggone accent I was in earlier this month just really threw a lot of things off and I kept thinking oh yeah I got to make some time to get over there and order that so yeah when I finally made the time to order my Heaven's Lake <laughs> the time was up I missed my chance for that Meg so make sure you don't miss your chance get over to SteveAlton.com First thing, sign up for the newsletter. Second thing, order your copy. Now, stay tuned, because we're going to get over to our interview with Steve Alton here in just a moment, and you're going to hear a riveting chapter reading from Heaven's Lake. All that coming up right after a word from our sponsor. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener writing software, built by writers for writers. And welcome everybody to a very special edition of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Oh my goodness, I am so excited. I have somebody I've been a fan of for over 20 years now, and I'm just thrilled to death that I'm getting a chance to speak with them. I'm talking about New York Times, an international best-selling author of at least 18 thrillers, plus one romantic comedy. He's also the co-founder and director of Adopt an Author, a free motivational teenage reading program used by thousands of middle-grade and high school teachers throughout the U.S. I'm talking about the one and only Steve Alton. Mr. Alton, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Jason. Call me Steve, please. I feel old
0: as it is. <laughs> I have a feeling we're probably not that far apart in age, honestly. But uh, still, you know, I, I like to uh, respect my peers, and, and uh, but I appreciate that, Steve. Well, at this point, I mean, you've done so much. I'm kind of uh, trying to figure out a good place to start. What is something throughout your years of interviews, and of course you had the, the Meg movie last year. What is something you've always wished... Um, an interviewer would ask you about something you wish you could talk about. Um, that's kind
1: of difficult. I mean, every book is its own promotion, and every promotion, you know, has its own series of questions that lead up to it. So I'm not really promoting anything right now, other than um, I'm about halfway through a new book in the lot series called The Lockeman's Lake, and uh, that is being pre-sold right now. That will only be available to uh, fans who pre-order it. It's not going to be sold in stores. It's not going to be sold on Amazon. And it's something that we did. We tried with Make Generations, and it turned out really well for the fans because they were the only ones who purchased the book in a pre-sale. And so, when a year later, when new fans came along and wanted to read the book six in the Make series, uh, they actually had to purchase it from people who bought extra copies of the of the <laughs> Generations book in pre-sale. So they're they're selling it. Some people were selling it for two hundred fifty dollars piece which is crazy but god bless them if, you know they had the foresight of ordering extra copies go for
0: it yeah yeah oh my gosh well that that's a really awesome thing that you've got going and very unique uh, there's not a lot of others out there i think are doing something along those lines so this is really cool i know last year i was working at the theater when the movie came out and there was one of my co-workers who i know is also a big fan of yours and uh when we were drawing names for Christmas, I got his name, so I made sure to order the uh, uh, the Lock special edition that came out, and I got a copy for him. And for, of course, you know, had to add an extra one for myself. So he was thrilled when that came in with the new cover and all that. That was really, really cool. All right, so I mean, you, you kicked it off uh, a little over 20 years ago with the Meg. Is this something that you've always been interested in, like the unexplained? Uh, you got you know, the Megalodons, Loch Ness Monster, aliens. Uh, following up with uh, the Mayan calendar, things like that. Has that always been an interest to you?
1: Yeah, you know, I write about things that um, interest me and uh, about things I like to read about. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, I grew up being a Jaws fan, of course, and that got me interested in doing research on great whites. And, you know, there's always a little blurb about Meg And uh, usually accompanied by a black and white shot at the Smithsonian Institute with uh, six scientists sitting in Meg Jaw. And so when um, back in 1995, I was struggling uh, to support a family of five, and, and happened to pick up a Time magazine, and on the the front cover was the Mariana Trench, and the article dealt with uh, hydrothermal vents and this incredible deep sea trench, seven miles down, 1,500 miles long, 40 miles wide, totally unexplored. And I thought, you know, what was that huge shark that I, I remember reading about when I was 15? Went to the library because there was no internet back then. Found the photo and and found the information about Meg. There wasn't much written about Meg back then. I just decided that I was going to write the book.
0: Oh, my gosh. I remember, um, I mean, you and I will remember uh, Columbia House. They had the the tapes, uh, cassette tapes, and then the book clubs, those kinds of things. So back at that time, I was a member of that. My wife ordered me the Meg when it first came out. And that was the first book I can remember sitting down and reading pretty much cover to cover in a day. I had started it the night before. Uh, We were laying down for bed, and what a mistake that was. I think it was 1 in the morning before I finally forced myself to set it down. And then the next day, my entire family was gone. Our oldest daughter had just turned 1, so I was babysitting our newborn. And I just sat in a chair all day with her in my arms and Megan, the other hand, and reading that. And, yeah, by the time they came home that evening, I was done with the book. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, you wouldn't believe this book. It was such a blast and so much fun.
1: Well, it's it's a quick read. They all are. And um, brings back memories. When I was writing the book, my daughter was only two. So. Well, I, and I've been reminded
0: recently, I, I started up on uh, Night Stalkers, and I've been reminded of just how well you craft a thriller. Because you come into a scene where it's, okay, I see what's going to happen, and yet I still find myself cringing and just waiting. The anticipation, the way you build it up, uh, I mean, you've definitely perfected your craft of, making us wait for what we think it might happen. And then it may not always go the way we think it's going to go. What, what was one of your influences, uh, to help you craft a thriller in this way?
1: Uh, there's a book called the writer's journey by Christopher Vogler. And, that, and Vogler was a, um, I believe he was some type of professional reader for Hollywood scripts. And he determined that every story that's ever been told uh, has been told before and laid out, you know, the the hero's journey, which is the story of the book. And I think that that probably had more of an influence on my writing than any book.
0: Oh, very nice. I might have to pick one of those up as well. One of the things I really liked, the Loch Ness Monster, you had the Loch, and then, of course, later on, Loch 2, is it Vostok? Vostok, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So, and then when that one came out, one of the unique things that you did there was you blended – some of your um, your universe together with the... Uh, I, I guess they never did meet, but you put the two... The names started crossing over, and some of your... Uh, the space adventure, the aliens, all that kind of crossed over, and I started to see, and, and I've really come to appreciate how you've kind of opened it up now to where, going forward, so many of your stories could cross over into one another. Is this something maybe we, we would be seeing coming going forward?
1: Probably not. It wasn't, you know, it was received about 50 50 by my fans. Um, some liked the extraterrestrial elements, some did not. The reason I included it is because it was part of the research. It's not something that I made up. There actually are electromagnetic readings coming out of Vostok they are incredibly powerful. And uh, the planes that were flying over the lake and doing all the measurements of the electromagnetic field were a shock to find it. So I'm just taking the facts and, and spinning them into a story. But the fact that you know the, the electromagnetic waves were coming out of this, essentially, a, um, a liquid lake located uh, two and a half miles underneath the ice. So it's pretty incredible stuff. And, and um, you know, I felt that was too important to, to buy stuff.
0: Oh, yeah yeah well and that's that's one of the things with with all of your books they've all got that truth about them and you kind of you take it and you you spin it the way you want to but still there's always that element of this could be this could be what well there could be that monster underneath and something could be waiting for us here or there and i i think that's one of the I, i don't know for me that was one of the things that's always gripped me about your books is there's that element of truth and And, yeah, what if? It it could be happening.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I call it faction. Fiction mixed with fact.
0: I like that. So you have the uh, Adopt an Author program. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Adopt an Author started, um, sort of started itself back in 1998. Actually, 97 when the hardback came out of Meg. And I started getting a lot of email from teenagers who were all telling me the same thing, that they, they hated reading these books. But when they read Meg, it turned out to be, for a lot of them, the first book they ever finished. Hmm. And um, they suddenly started enjoying reading. And then teachers started emailing me telling me they were using the book in class because it had such a a strong teen following. And I'd never written a book for teens. I'd written it for adults. But then I found out that the Young Adult Library Services Association, YALSA, had selected Meg as the number one book for reluctant readers. And I realized something was happening with teens that I needed to be involved with. So my background is in education. I have a bachelor's and master's and a doctorate degree in education. I'm certified to teach in secondary school. And so I put together the Adopt and Alter program, which is basically a 501 c nonprofit. And it enables us to get to help the teachers by pulling together their curriculums and adding curriculum ideas of our own so that a teacher who's in anywhere from 8th to 12th grade who was interested in one of the books, they simply need to go to adoptanauthor.com, and they can download free curriculum. And this really has helped the teachers. The program also offers something unique in that the teacher can arrange to have um, contact between the author and the students, either through emails or uh, an in-class conference call or Skype interview. And uh, so it adds an extra dimension to the program. And uh, we started off in, uh, officially we started in 1999 with about a dozen teachers, and we've now had over 11,000 registered teachers in the last 20 years. Oh, wow.
0: That's fantastic. But that, That's wonderful that you've created something that's really grown this big and helping, helping them find something good to read. And, and I know, like for myself, the more we read, the more it informs our writing. Do you have any advice for writers that are starting off?
1: Yeah. My short piece of advice is um, don't write a story about something that you know because that's that's the reason that you're writing about it. Write about something that you want to read and then go learn about it. And um, if you go to my website, com. Uh, you can click on Writing Tips. It's a video that I made years ago, and uh, it gets involved with some of the things that Vogue would in as well.
0: Okay, yeah, that's great advice. I will definitely put a link on the show notes for that so everybody can click on there. And that would be the place for the best place for everybody to go for the pre orders for upcoming books like The Lock, Heaven's Lake.
1: Yes, and be sure to sign up for my free newsletter as well because every month I put out a newsletter at the beginning of the month, it talks about contests to become a character in one of my books. Uh, all the characters in my books now are, are actual readers who have submitted their names for these contests. And so it's it's a little dose of immortality. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I've i got to get on
0: one of those one of these days. I'm going to have to throw my name in there one of these days. You have one of those newsletters that I I can't miss it. I can't just like oh, yeah, I'll read that later, but then, you know, you never get back to it. Yours is one of those, I've got to open it up and read it all the way to the bottom to find your little bit of humor that you put at the bottom, the little story that you like to tell. They're always a lot of fun to read. So, yeah, definitely, everybody, sign up for that newsletter. It is, it is really fantastic. So you've got, oh, my gosh, I can't even, I'm not even sure. Is it seven meg books at this point and another one coming, or is the seventh what's coming up?
1: Well, it's six and a prequel. And the prequel is now included in the first book, made. So, you know, I I, I look at the six books for the seventh coming. Okay.
0: And then the third of The Lock. Is there anything you can tell us about uh, what we can expect with The Lock? I know you just, uh, on Facebook, you just had a uh, a little sneak peek, which was really exciting. Uh, what can you tell listeners who maybe haven't been to your Facebook page yet?
1: Um, the Lock, Heaven's Lake is uh, a... Uh, a glacier lake at the top of a mountain in China that borders China and North Korea and uh they've spotted a lot of you know sea creatures some kind of lake monsters they call them but nobody knows what these things are so the Chinese government uh decides to host a scientific expedition where the scientists are divided into their, their teams by nation and they're given 2 weeks to come up with a a thesis on what these creatures are hopefully to film them as well And then they'll pare it down from 10 nations uh, participating in this study to three. And then finally one and decide who has determined the the origin of the species is the most credible about it. Hoping that they'll get, you know, film of of the, of the creatures as well. So, um, Zachary Wallace, uh, who's the hero of the lock is struggling his, um, since he resolved the lot, this monster mystery, he's, his life is Has not been very good. Joan the Jockett and the other communities around Loch Ness are basically going bankrupt because they have no choice in the industry anymore. Uh, So he has an opportunity to represent Scotland in this contest, and he goes over, and um, nothing is as it seems. (laughs) That sounds
0: exciting, though. Yeah, and I tell you what, I mean, going back to the second one, I understand that the fans were split on it, but, you know, definitely as a writer, looking back on it, I thought it was really, really brave, and I really appreciate that you were so willing to do something different, and I definitely look at that as that you were doing what you wanted to do, which is important, I think, as an author, is to write the story that you want to write, and like you said, write something that you want to read, and it's not always what everybody wants to read, but... It was something you want to write, and and I'm excited that there's a third one coming up. I can't wait to, uh, I'm definitely going to be logging in there and uh, picking up one of those for myself. Thank you. So, like I said, everybody, the uh, the pre-order is available now for the Lock Heaven's Lake. Get on over to Steve Alton's website. We're going to have a link in the show notes, so you can click on that. Don't forget to sign up for that fantastic newsletter. I I'm just I'm still just blown away. I'm totally fanboying out here. Uh, getting to talk to one of my longtime heroes, Steve, thank you so much for being a guest. Where else would be a good place for uh, for people to find and follow you?
1: Well, if you go to stevealton.com, there's my personal email is there, and that's the only email that I've ever had. It's in all my books, and, and I do answer my email, as you know, personally. <laughs> and uh, that's the best way to get in touch with me. All right.
0: Yeah, and I want to say thank you to Kelly for helping uh, helping me get in touch with you. That was, that was fantastic and totally unexpected to suddenly get a message from her saying, yeah, reach out to him. So <laughs> that was great. Thank you, Kelly. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to step aside and listen with bated breath as uh, one of my author heroes reads us a chapter from the upcoming book, The Lock, Heaven's Lake.
1: Prologue, Dulce, New Mexico. The darkness was all-consuming. Aided by a late winter storm, it conspired with a dense cloud covered to veal, the stars and moon and heavens, effectively snuffing all life from existence. It swallowed the lake in the motorized rubber raft, its occupants unable to see their own hands, as they shielded their face from a frigid headwind blistering them with darts of hail and rain. There were two men aboard the Zodiac, neither was whom he claimed to the other to be. Rick John Anderson was seated in the bow. A big man in a Dulce resident carried 200 pounds on a six-foot frame. A two-day stubble ran across his face in contrast to his scalp, which he kept shaved clean. With the canvas of tattoos covering his arms and upper torso, the local looked more like a member of Hell's Angels than an Apache. The fact that he lived on the Jacarilla Reservation either meant he met the required three-eighths American Indian heritage, or he held sway over the Jacarilla Reservation's border regions to which he was a voting member. Anderson's hands were numb from gripping the bottom of the bench seat, and his body was shivering, the more out of fear than the frigid temperatures. He had been tasked with locating the black Dodge Ram pickup truck they had left on the shoreline that he could no longer see. Absent a flashlight, a disposable lighter, or a pack of matches, he might as well have been searching for icebergs. His eyes widened as the Zodiac's bow and bow weight suddenly blossomed down the pitch. Turning in the direction of the winding upward engine, he saw a lone figure hunched over an open laptop, its luminous screen cutting through the night, the computer shielded from the driving rain by a Tyson poncho. Is it still out there, Professor Crawl? The British scientist ignored the local man's need for reassurance, his attention focused on the progress of the data uploading on his computer. Born in India, raised in England, he had 10 of the best schools in the United Kingdom, but never seemed to fit in. His peers preferring to judge him by his ethnicity and physical appearance, his wavy black hair worn long and unkempt, matched by a five o'clock shadow. This led many of his older colleagues to underestimate his intelligence, typecasting him as a glorified graduate student rather than a brilliant academic, despite his having earned three doctorate degrees in the sciences by the age of 27. Answer me, Charles, is the creature still out there or not? The scientist looked up. He had met Rick Anderson 10 hours earlier over breakfast, the interview arranged by the local man's cousin, Katrina Scott, the waitress he had been hitting on since his arrival in Dulce. He introduced himself to the attractive brunette as Professor Charles Crawl. He was in town for a few weeks, hired by a private British investment firm to prepare a business prospectus on Chikorella's Seven Lakes. Unfamiliar with the Apache Reservation, he needed to hire a local outdoorsman to assist him in collecting water, vegetation, and tissue samples from any wildlife and having the lakes. Over dinner, she suggested her cousin Rick, who was an avid fisherman. Crawl offered Anderson the job, never suspecting that Katrina Scott was actually a Delta Force intel officer. For his part, the British scientist never mentioned that the wildlife he saw tissue samples from was a 30-foot-long water creature. My cousin really likes you. Be ashamed to screw up what could be the night of your life. He's desperate, afraid. Use it. Of course it's still out there, Rick. Where else would it go? Where is it? Is it showing up in your drone sonar? I told you I had to divert all power from the Barracuda in order to upload tissue samples. As soon as the data finishes transmitting, I promise I will finish recharging the drone and activate its own array. How much longer? He jiggled the laptop mouse, causing the sleeping screen to momentarily waken. We're at 82%, figure another minute or two. The flash of artificial light seemed to calm the local. You knew it was here. It's what brought you to Dulcie. There is no here. Dulcie is not a real lake. It is a man-made reservoir, as you astutely pointed out during your interview. The animal that chased after us was not a bird in these waters, nor is there an aquatic-based food chain in place among any of the seven lakes that could support a biologic as large as. What about humans? As a food source, while lions and tigers and sharks may occasionally feast on a human, man has never been to or will ever be a part of any animal's diet. I tell that to the tourist who died two years ago at Loch Ness. That was an entirely different lake and creature. Yeah, well, whatever that thing was, that attacked, sure seemed intent on eating us, had not blasted it with that sonic noise thing, I doubt we would have survived. The local had a point. The biological chosen for tonight's demonstration clearly had no human constraints or restraints hardwired into its DNA. The screen blinked on, indicating data upload was now complete. Closing the computer, he unzipped his jacket pocket and removed a pair of ski goggles equipped with night-vision lenses. He strapped them in place over his eyes, causing the darkness to bloom into shades of olive green. The lake an ominous dark gray abyss. Reaching for the car battery squeeze between his feet, he flipped the toggle switch, diverting power from his laptop to the drone. Nicknamed Barracuda for his resemblance to a predatory fish. The remotely operated underwater drone was three feet long from the tip of its triangular snout to the propulsion unit and rudder, which made up its tail assembly. Fourteen inches in diameter and streamlined like a torpedo, the neutrally buoyant craft could handle depths of 900 feet at a range just short of two miles and could reach speeds exceeding 40 knots. Housed in an acrylic tube anchored to the starboard side of the Zodiac, the drone was designed to safely acquire tissue samples from biologics. Located inside its spring-loaded snout were three rotating collection tubes. Any soft tissue impact with the barracuda exceeding 20 pounds psi was enough to encourage the razor-sharp teeth-like blades anchored inside its snout to excise a finger-sized bite from its target. The scientists waited until the recharging battery reached 30% before they powered the drone's active sonar, sending a loud ping racing through the depths. The sound wave reverberated off every object located within a two-mile radius. The time and strength of the return signal converted into electronic signals, the sonar sweeping hand illuminating the creature. It had been shadowing them as they had followed the course to the south, the man-made reservoir shaped like the state of Florida's silence of its handle. As it had in their earlier encounter, the sound wave spooked the life form as he watched the biologic race to the east and disappeared. What the hell? Crawl can you see it? Stand by, unable to locate the creature, the scientists released another ping, the sound wave failing to find the animal even as it painted the shoreline directly ahead of him. Bloody held. Before he could veer away, the zodiac's bow struck the man made lake's eight foot high embankment, the effective result of local authorities having recently drained nearly twenty percent of the reservoir. The sudden impact launched Rick Anderson head over heels from his bench seat, hurling him back first and upside down against the moss covered wall of rock. British scientists didn't fare much better. With nothing to grab onto, he found himself airborne, flailing headfirst through the olive green void, the embankment blooming in his vision. Kicking out his legs, he managed to snag one of the middle seats with his right foot, only to bash his face against the port side, inflatable. Painful collision breaking his nose and shattering his night vision goggles, casting him into the darkness. Crawl, are you okay? No. He snorted a mouthful of blood, gagged and spit it out. Can you smell that? My nose is broken, I can't smell anything. I can, I smelled the same scent when the creature surfaced. Anderson, the creature's gone, the sonar spooked it. You're wrong, you think you're so clever, don't you, Dr. Singh? That's right, I know who you are, Timon Singh, Nobel Prize winning geneticist. You disappeared off the face of Earth nine years ago before you could get to Oslo to collect your money. What happened, did you find the needs of the private sector too? Ah, ah, Timon froze, his pulse raced, his body trembled. More unnerving than Rick Anderson's screams was the abrupt silence that followed as if nature had suddenly been placed on mute. The only sounds were small waves lapping against the bottom of the inflatable raft and his pounding heart. He registered a strange tapping on his ski jacket. A surreal moment, he ceased shaking as a soothing, warm rain rolled down his neck into his undergarments. And then he realized it was blood. Very slowly, he slid his right hand into his pants pocket. Feeling the rental car's keyless entry, he pressed the alarm. The incessant horn blasts and flashing headlights vanquished the darkness, revealing the monster, intelligent and amphibious, that had been lying wait atop the embankment next to the pickup truck. Leaning over the ledge, it had plucked the local sportsman from the embankment by his head. Its scalpel-sharp teeth, four to five inches long, need- five inch long needles puncturing the man's neck, shoulders, and chest. The blood spurting it was from a fountain. Suspended six feet above the water, Rick Anderson's legs thrashed and kicked wildly at the night, the dying man in agony. My God, he's still alive. He moans the lived, shook in terror as the beast slanted down him with one of its jaunty yellow eyes and hissed. Oh, God. The funnel of light cuts through this leap late night, blinding the hideous predator. It shook its massive head, whipping its bizarre mane of tendrils to and fro. Each oily, cord-like whisker as large as a grown man's arm and as thick as a thumb. As the monster screeched in protest, a barrage of eight minutes long tranquilizer darts struck its neck like a swarm of giant mosquitoes, burying the elixir held within their syringes into a patch of flesh behind the fish's gill slits. The diamond-shaped head rolled up twice before collapsing out of Timon's sight line with a resounding thud. Before he could gather his thoughts, a team of soldiers dressed head to boots in black parkas and matching jumpsuits were dragging him up the steep embankment. He was wrapped in a thermal blanket, one of the commandos demanding his attention. Keys. He reached into his pocket and handed him the keys to the truck. The horn alarm silenced as he was led to the back of an awaiting van. Just before the door slammed closed and the syringe pierced the marine biologist's neck, his eyes locked onto the gated exit, a track lighting illuminating a 12-foot by 10-foot sign. Warning, property of DARPA, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Dulce military installation. Trespassers will be arrested. The word prosecuted was crossed out with
0: the word eaten. Trespassers will be eaten. (laughs) That is awesome. And that was Steve Alton reading a sample chapter from his latest book, The Lock, Heaven's Lake. The book is available for pre-order right now. Don't miss your chance to get a copy of this for yourself. Get over to stevealton.com or click the link in the show notes and get your copy ordered today. I've already got mine. Don't forget to also click the link in the show notes for our friends and sponsors of the show. Really appreciate it when you do that. And don't forget to also hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss out next week when we come back with a new author, a new book, and a new sample chapter. You never know who it's going to be. Take care, everyone. We'll see you again real soon.